that scripture, we have the disciples getting good news for the third time. Jesus has appeared to them, and John is the first one to realize it's Jesus. He says, it's the Lord. Peter's so excited, he jumps out of the boat. He swims 100 yards. Some of us can't run 100 yards. He swam 100 yards to get to Jesus, and Jesus had made him breakfast. How cool is that? And that good news that Jesus was alive also gave him something to do. Feed my lambs. I've been looking up stories this week on that are good news. And as we go through this series called Action News, every week I'm going to find something that happened recently that's good news. We need some positive news. So here's one that I found this week. Uh, it was prom night for some high schoolers. And this group of 11 teens after prom, they went out to a place called Double D Steak to uh, go get some food after prom. And the waiter came up to them and said, there's a, another patron in this bar, or sorry, the restaurant, it wasn't a bar, and uh, he said, he will pay for all your food on one condition. You all have to put away your cell phones and not use them the whole time that you are here. And so all these teenagers, they got their cell phones, the, the waiter brought out a platter, they all put their cell phones on the platter, and the waiter took them away. And afterwards, when this got kind of reported on the news and stuff, they, they said what a great time they had because they spent time talking to each other. And the, the man, the old man was so glad to pay for their meal. So I thought that was some good news. It made a good prom for them and, and good time. Now, when I titled this series Action News, I wasn't sure if Action News was a real thing or not. It was something in my memory that I wasn't sure if it was if Action News was something that was really on TV or if it was something that I just saw in movies. It's Action News, and this is happening. And, and so this is when the Internet's a wonderful thing. I actually looked up Action News, and it was on Wikipedia. Anybody remember Action News? You ever see Action News? Well, it was a real, it's a real thing. It's still on on some channels. Um, it was a copy of the Eyewitness News. See, one, one station had the Eyewitness News, and so the other stations copied it with Action News. And basically what it was is it was changing the news. Instead of having the, the news anchor sitting in the studio in his or her suit just reading about the news, Eyewitness news or action news is the reporter is actually out there where the action is happening and reporting on the news. So that, that's the action news. They are, the reporter is where the action is. They are in the action. And one reason why I'm thinking that we don't see this as much is because in modern times, instead of reporting the news what's happening is people are going out trying to make the news happen we try and produce the action for the news so people have flash mobs and different kinds of things they try and stir up stuff make a story where there might not be a story we want to produce action for the news instead of reporting on the action as the news Let's get back to good news. Actually, the good news. 
the good news, which the Bible calls the gospel, that just means good news, that's salvation through faith in Jesus, that always results in action. The good news always results in action. It's action news. The gospel changes individual lives. It changes communities. It changes society. All those things can be transformed by the good news. The good news is true action news. And as we're going to go through the book of Philippians, it begins by informing us how we can both do and partner in the good news, which will allow us to both see positive changes and make changes happen. That's what Philippians is starting with. So let's look. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verses 1 through 6. The Apostle Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The first thing that he uh, mentions about this church is that they have a partnership in the gospel. They have a partnership in the gospel. This letter starts with a typical introduction that we see in a lot of letters of the time. It's from the Apostle Paul and also from Timothy. They are both workers for Christ Jesus. They're on the front line making positive changes in lives, community, and the world. Paul and Timothy go around establishing new churches and then going around again to build up those churches again later. They're on the front lines. And they're writing to the whole church in Philippi. He says, all the saints, that's all the holy ones, all the people in this church. He's not just writing to one congregation, he's writing to all of them. And interesting, he's also not just writing to the leaders. He kind of mentions them on the side. Oh, and you elders and deacons too. So this partnership is not with the pastors of the churches. It's not with the boards of the churches. It's not with it, it's with the whole church. Oh yeah, and you leaders, you're you're part of this too. But I'm not writing to you in particular. I'm writing to the whole church. He says. And he gives a typical greeting of the day. He offers grace and peace to them in the name of God and Jesus Christ. He says, peace be with you in the name of the God that we both serve. And then he gets into what his prayer, Paul's prayers for this church, says what they are. He says, his prayers for this church are always giving thanks and joyful. He says, I'm always happy when I pray for this church. Now, 
that would be a cool thing. There are, if you've ever prayed for a person or a church or an organization, you know, there are sometimes that we pray and, and we're not feeling very good about maybe what somebody's going through. But Paul says, whenever I pray for the church in Philippi, I always feel good. I'm always happy when I pray for you guys. And why? He says, because this church is partners with him in the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus. So I'm always happy because you guys are my partners. And I know you're my partners. This word partnership is, is the word koinonia that we usually get the word fellowship from. It's participation and sharing in the work together. It's not just having coffee together. It's working together. It's the difference between sitting down and eating a meal that someone else has prepared and sitting down sharing a meal that we all cook together. That's the partnership that he's talking about here. Now, this is going to come back in a little bit. And he says, we started this work together. He says, you were with me at the beginning, and we're continuing to do this work together. And that just makes him happy. And this work that they're doing together, he says, it's going to get completed. (coughs) He says, now, with this work, there's an individual aspect to it. The work done in me as an individual. And lots of times we take this verse, verse uh, 6, and we just kind of pull it out of context. And he says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I apply that to me individually. That's a plural you, though. So it is true that the work that God starts in me or in you, God will take to completion. But in the context, what he's saying is that work that the church is doing and that Paul and Timothy is partnering with them, the gospel, that work is going to go to completion. Now, that work goes to completion through my life and your life and your life and your life and your life and people's lives out there that don't know the gospel yet. But this is a long, ongoing work. Now, have you ever been in a project that takes a long time to get done? You all have. It's right over your heads, our roof. We spent years saving money and getting grants and then trying to find the right plans to get the roof fixed. And then we got the right plans and then we had to find somebody that actually wanted to do the construction. That took a year. And then uh, the person got us on their schedule and they did it in the fall, late fall. And they got the roof on. Not quite before it started to snow. So one week we had water pouring down. But then they finished the roof. They finished the roof just in time for it to really start snowing. And so we didn't get our final inspection until just a couple of weeks ago. And we still have one more thing to do. We still have to get the gutters put on. This has taken a long time, but eventually it will be finished. Eventually it will be completed. And eventually... We're going to need a new roof again. Now, hopefully that's way down the road. And that happens in lives and churches, too. Lives grow and change, and we get to a point where we have reached a level of maturity, and then life changes. 
and there's new things that we have to grow into, and it seems like it's never completed. But Paul's saying there is an actual end point. One day, all this is going to be done. And he says, that's the day of Christ Jesus. When Christ returns, all the work that we have poured into will be done. Even if we're not the generation to see it finished, it will get finished. We can be sure it's going to get done. We just do our part while it's our turn. So the partners, Paul and Timothy, are partners. They're the apostles of the early church. These are the people who gave us our scriptures. The Philippian church, that is individual congregations, are partners in the gospel. And Jesus is a partner. It says, he who began the work will complete it. So Jesus is actually doing something. He didn't just say, go do it. When Jesus gave his command to Peter to feed my sheep, he wasn't saying you have to do it all by yourself. That's why Jesus would say in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Be partners in the gospel church, all of you, and he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, to the day I come back. I will be there when it's done. Anybody in high school or college ever have to take a lab, chemistry lab or biology lab? Now, labs can be fun if you have a good lab partner. You ever have a bad lab partner? See, a bad lab partner can ruin the experiment. If you're trying to dissect an animal, but you have a lab partner that doesn't want to touch it. Or if you have a lab partner that's too into touching it and mutilates it. I knew a guy, he was in the biology lab, and he kept, he was cutting off the, we were dissecting uh, rats, Big, they were big like New York rats. <laughs> and he cut off the paws of one of the rats and he was putting them on his keychain. It's like, this is gross. It's like, we're trying to find out what's going on and you're mutilating this rat. We had a, a, a thing in biology where we were trying to test. Uh, she gave us some kind of bag and we were trying to figure out how permeable is this bag. That is, it looks like when you put whatever liquid in there that it should stay in there. You know, if... if if we sealed up the Ziploc bag and touched the outside, we wouldn't feel any water coming through. But what we did is we took that bag and put it in a bigger thing of water, and we put different chemicals in there. And we could see that some of the chemicals in that bag were somehow getting through that bag outside to the water. And for most of us, that experiment worked. But for some people, it didn't work because... One of the lab partners, instead of testing the water outside of the bag, they kept testing the stuff inside of the bag. And so their bag was turning all black because it had all these different chemicals and reactions in it. Bad lab partner. Didn't follow the instructions. But a good partner gets you an A. A good partner gets you from the beginning to the end. 
So we need to take the time first to enter the partnership. In order to change lives, in order to change my community, in order to change the world with the good news, I first have to accept it for myself. If I don't have faith, how do I impart faith? I have to believe that Jesus is God. I have to believe that he became a human, that he lived, he died, and he came to life again as payment for my defiance against God. And in believing that, he will make my life new and can make other people's lives new. I believe that Jesus started the good work and he will continue to do his part. And then we don't stop there. I participate in the partnership. I ask myself, what am I doing now to participate in the transformation of my own life and participate in the transformation of other people's lives? That one person who doesn't have faith in Jesus that I am supposed to be doing life with and that you are supposed to be doing life with, what am I doing? Let me tell you something that happened just this week with me. Actually, it started a couple of weeks ago. I had Mitchell and Susie over for dinner, and I'll be honest, it didn't go as I kind of planned in my mind it was going to go. Because things just got busy. I thought I'd have them over and I'd make them a nice dinner and we'd have a good conversation and we still got to have a good talk. But it turned out Jennifer had to work that night and Sophia had swim lessons. And so what happened was they came over and they babysat my number two daughter. Well, I took number one daughter to swim class. And I had in the oven a lasagna, so they made sure that didn't burn up while I was away at swim lessons. We came back, and I didn't make the lasagna. It was a Costco pre-made frozen lasagna. It tasted, it tasted fine, but I didn't make it for them. I just heated it up, and they watched it. And then for dessert, we had brownies, Ghirardelli brownies, yay. But, you know, we made it out of a box. And... Still, I think it was a good evening, but it wasn't what I planned. And it kind of came up, you know, they've been watching uh, cooking shows and baking shows and been getting into that. And they, they made some bread a couple of weeks ago that my daughters loved. And, and I said, you know, it would be really cool if instead of just, like, coming over and eating, we actually, like, made something together. It would have been cool if we actually, like, made lasagna instead of just heating up Costco lasagna. And other thing that came up in conversation was they kind of were the start of the wave with some of their friends that now a lot of the other friends are young couples and getting married and stuff like that. And I said, boy, it'd be cool if we had, like, who else could we invite over? So this week I went over to talk to my one of the people that doesn't have faith in Jesus that I'm trying to do life with, that I've been inviting to things but still hasn't, like, crossed that threshold. Right now we are associates. I wouldn't even say we're friends yet. And so I shared with 
this lady, this same story, they got married about the same time as, as Susie and Mitchell, what I just shared with you about how I had a couple over and how it had been cool to like actually make food together. And I said, would you and your husband like to do that with us? And she said, we love to cook. When? What do we bring? I was like, cool. So now we've got to do it. We're going to partner. We're going to eat together. We're going to do life together. And that's going to be a step to faith. I need to complete the work of the gospel. But not all by myself. I do my part along with the whole church, along with Susie and Mitchell in this case, and along with Jesus Christ. Let's finish up the introduction to the letter. Philippians 1, 7 through 11. Paul writes, It's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. And you all are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love may keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you can approve the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So they're not just partners in the gospel. They also have a partnership in grace. And it's kind of another way of saying the gospel, but grace is kind of the gospel in practical application. Paul states that there's, there's proof of their partnership. There's proof of this close union of fellowship. This, this word for partnership here, it's not quite, the, it's, it's koinonia like he used before, but it's got a little prefix on it. Same word, slightly different form, and he's saying this is a close union. Uh, it's the same word that the Apostle Paul uses in Romans uh, eleven seventeen when he talks about grafting a branch onto a tree. This is the kind of partnership they have now. They are, they are, now part, their partnership is partaking of one life. And that, that partnership is, is both receiving and giving the grace of God, the unmerited favor. He's, he's sure that they're partners because he says, I know it in my heart. I know it in my innermost being that you're my partner. He says, that, that's my, he says my first witness is just myself. And he says, I've also seen it practically because... Paul is in prison here, probably in Rome, and they've been giving him assistance and aid and comfort while he's been in prison. We'll see later that, that one of the people they sent was Epaphroditus, and they sent Epaphroditus to bring help to Paul while he was in prison. That's For Paul, that's part of the gospel ministry, the ministry of grace that they are known for. They have prison ministry from Philippi. And he's one of the prisoners they're helping. He says they've defended the good news. They are defending the message of salvation 
through faith in Jesus Christ. They've also established it. Their churches are firm. They're not wavering. And he says, God is also a witness of how much the Apostle Paul misses being actual, being to be able to actually partner with them physically. He says, I wish I was there with you, like doing the work that you guys are doing instead of being here in jail writing letters. Because I had, he says, God knows how much I yearn to be with you partnering actually. And then Paul says specifically now what his prayer for this church is. His prayer is for their love. He doesn't just pray that they will love, that they'll love each other or that they'll love people. He says, but that their love will grow in a particular way. He says, I want your love to grow in knowledge. Not just facts, but this word for knowledge, it's, it's precise and correct knowledge. He says, I want your love to be precise, exact, correct, not in error. I want your love to grow in discernment. That's their perception, how they see things, not only with their senses, but with their intellect. He says, I want to, he's saying, I want you to not just love with your feelings, I want you to love with your mind and understanding. And know, thus, he's saying, I want you to know what the right way to love is. He says, I don't just want you to feel love. I want you to have a smart love that knows how to take appropriate action with grace. Doesn't the church need that today? We've got churches that are all about feelings. We want people to feel good. And Paul says that's not necessarily love. I want you to have smart love, church. Because the purpose of this love is to approve the things that are superior. He says you need to be able to find what's the most valuable thing. You need to grow in your love so that you, church, will be pure and blameless on that day when Christ comes back. He says, you need to be holy. We ourselves want to be unoffensive to God. He says, we, the church, need to love and have this smart love so that we're filled with what he calls the fruit of righteousness. I think that's another way of him just saying what he says in Galatians and he calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Good works. And he says all this so that we can give glory and praise to God. Smart love. You know, one kind of smart love that we might not always think of is CPR. CPR is smart love. You see somebody dying, you know, heart not beating or not breathing, and so we perform CPR. But CPR is not just for professionals. We've got a picture of professionals here. Anybody can learn CPR. You go take a class. It takes a couple of hours. And anybody can do this life-saving care to extend somebody's life. Now, if you just take a regular CPR class, they teach you how to do it by yourself. If somebody is a professional or a nurse, 
But anybody can do this. You can also take, spend an extra couple minutes and learn two-person CPR. It's how to partner in CPR, where one person's at the head and the other person's at the chest. And it's basically just knowing what the different rhythm is and knowing when to switch. It's basically the same thing, but you've got to learn how to do it together in a partnership. That's, that's grace. It's not, you know, grace is not done. We don't give CPR without knowing what we're doing. It's got to be smart. I have to know where to compress. Don't want to go too low. Don't want to go too high and miss. I have to know how many compressions to do. I have to know how many give breaths to give. I know have, have to, if I'm doing two-person CPR, I have to know how to do the right the right amount with this other person. I have to know when to switch. And that's how we're to give the grace of the gospel to people, smartly. And we need to remember something else. Even though giving a person that needs CPR is a loving and gracious thing, CPR does not feel good to the person receiving it. It breaks their ribs, but it saves their life. Smart love doesn't always feel good, but it does good. If everybody pull out your bulletins for a minute, there is a flyer in here. It says baby supply drive. I'm going to give you a Give us a very practical way to do smart grace, smart love. This is something, this is our fourth, fourth year, I think, maybe fifth. I'm losing track. We've done this for a while now. From Mother's Day to Father's Day, we're going to be good neighbors in a special way. First Care Pregnancy Center, who's been one of our partners, our longest Christian partner in this community, um, one of the things that they always need are baby wipes. And so we collect for them baby wipes, new baby wipes, please, <laughs> from Mother's Day to Father's Day. And we've got a new partner, Tubman, just over the last year plus we've been partnering with them. And they have a shelter and people show up there with nothing and with their kids. And I said, I need something specific that you guys need because they have a list on their website of like t- saying we need everything. I said, give me something specific. They said, we need sippy cups. Now, as a father, I understand the need for sippy cups. I said, okay, we can do that. So we're going to do baby wipes for first care and we're going to give sippy cups to Tubman. That's grace. How is it the gospel? Well, we're going to do something different we're going to put a little sticker on every package of baby wipes that says wash me and I will be clean Psalm 51.7 that's not the whole gospel but it's a step we're going to put a little tag on the sippy cups 
that says, Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It's not the whole gospel, but it's a start. So we're going to need some help with that. We're going to need help bringing the stuff here. Now, it's also a partnership. Certainly I'm going to buy some myself. My family will buy some baby wipes and some sippy cups. I hope all of you will buy some baby wipes and sippy cups. But it's not just about what you individually or as families can bring. It's a partnership. See, when we did this by ourselves, our goal was to help resupply the first care center at Sunray. And we would get between 7 and 10 cases of baby wipes, and that would allow them to go for a month or two. Last year, we started partnering with other businesses in the community, and we supplied First Care Sunray, First Care University of Minnesota, First Care Richfield, First Care Rochester, all with baby wipes for six months. Partnerships. So I'm asking you, church, don't just look at what what can I buy, what can I give, but look to your partners, look to your network, because this is something that goes beyond our politics. You don't have to be pro-life to know that babies need their bottoms cleaned and that little kids need something to drink, and it's nice when it's not spilled all over the place. Do we care about families? Do we care about our communities? You don't need to be a Democrat, a Republican, conservative, whatever. Just talk to your partners. That's smart grace. I need to complete the work of the gospel, but not all by myself. I play my part along with the whole church and with Jesus. One more story. There was a, a man, Howard, he was eating dinner at Brad's Barbecue in Oxford, Alabama with two friends. This was a week ago Thursday. Three young black men having barbecue. And he noticed an older white woman sitting alone at the booth to their left. And Howard said, my exact thought was, dang, I'd hate to eat by myself. And so he talked with his friends, and they decided that he should join the woman at her table. He approached the woman asking if he could sit with her, and she agreed, and she introduced herself as Eleanor. Eleanor told Howard about her grandchildren and the volunteer she works at the local hospital and the activities that her and her husband used to do together. She shared that her husband had passed away, and the next day, April 19th, would have been their 60th wedding anniversary. Howard gave her her condolences, and he invited her to come eat with him and his friends. Who will I invite to the grace of Jesus? Let's pray.
from Psalm 30. Lord, I will praise you because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. You brought me up from the pit and from among those going down to the pit. So sing to God, all you his holy ones, praise his holy name. For his anger only lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping spends the night, but joy comes in the morning. You made me stand strong like a mountain. What gain is there in my death if I go down to the grave? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me, my helper. You turn my lament into dancing. You remove my mourning clothes and clothe me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. So, Lord God, we praise you forever. Lord God, may the grace that you have given us to revive us from death to life be the good news and grace that we impart to others. Knowing that this is a gift that we cannot keep to ourselves. Because it is a gift you did not keep for yourself. Let us be holy and doing good, loving work when you come again. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our help and our Savior. Amen.